0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and the secret to seeing God. One person asked the rabbi, How come in the olden days God would show himself to people, but today nobody sees God? The rabbi said, Because nowadays nobody can bow low enough. Paul is saying, Take a lesson from God who denied himself and condescended down to man's lowest state, a little lower than the angels, to enrich others.
1: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Along with an ever-increasing level of skill, today's professional athletes also seem to have an ever-increasing dose of pride. Well, according to Pastor Xavier, that's not one of the characteristics you need to be a successful follower of Christ. Today, he explores the very life of Jesus and points to the path of what it means to grow closer to Him. Let's join him in the book of Philippians for today's Simple Truths.
0: Philippians chapter 2. Paul commands the Philippians to think like Christ towards others by giving them a threefold description of Christ's humility of mind for the service of others in verses 5 through 8. Let me read the text. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The threefold description of Christ's humility of mind in his service for others is as follows. First, The greatness of Christ's humility, in verse 6. Secondly, the extent of Christ's humility, in verse 7. And then the depth of Christ's humility. The greatness, the extent, and the depth. Notice first, the greatness of Christ's humility was that He was God. You know the title, Christ, means anointed, the Messiah. And the name, Jesus... Identifies his humanity. So you have a twofold identification here. Christ, the anointed, his deity. Jesus, his human name, identifying his humanity. And you know that the name means Jehovah's salvation. You have God, man. Don't forget that from the very title that he gives. Secondly, verse 7. The extent of Christ's humility is here. Notice first, the extent of Christ's humility was that he Emptied himself, but made himself of no reputation. The phrase no reputation comes from the Greek word, which means to empty or to make void or neutralize. The question is, of what did Jesus empty himself of? Did he empty himself of his deity? No. Otherwise, his claim to be God and one with the Father would be false and he'd be found a liar. He divested himself of his glory, which he had with the Father before the world was. Remember his prayer in John seventeen five. There's the Lord's prayer. Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had with you before the world was. His glory. The rightful glory, invisible radiance of who he was, was veiled. Much like you and I put on clothes this morning, so that we can veil our nakedness. That's what God did. He veiled His glory with a human body. Now notice secondly that the extent of Christ's humility was that He emptied Himself in two ways. Don't miss these. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He took on the form of a servant. The word took is in the aorist participle indicating simultaneous action, being God, He became man. Both at the same time. The word form, again, is the same one as we found in verse 6. The inner essential and abiding nature of the person and character. So here you have God, who has veiled His glory through a human body, but He's God nevertheless. But the key is, He never uses His attributes, His power of God for Himself. But it depends on the Father and everything, as we will see, to give you and myself an example of the potential and possibility of walking to please God in obedience. The character was that of a servant, doulos, bond servant. One who serves by choice. You know the whole concept of the Old Testament. In the seventh year, the slave was released. If he didn't want to go, he had grabbed his master, tell him he loved him, wanted to serve him for life, and then... They would take him to his house, the doorpost with a an nail and a hammer, put a hole in his ear, put an earring in it, and he was a bond slave for life. So whenever you saw a man with an earring, he was a bond slave. He didn't have a life of his own. He lived for his master. He did not have a will. He did not have a choice. He lived to exist solely for his master. This is the word right here. Who was he? God. He was the last Adam, becoming poor that we might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says. God became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1 1:1 1 and 1 In Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead body, the sum total of deity. Colossians 2 9. You can't get any better than Jesus. That's why the key word for the book of Hebrews is better. Better than angels, better than Moses, better than Joshua. He's just plain better. He beats them all. <laughs> He's God. Now notice the emptying of himself is not speaking so much of what he emptied himself of, but how he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. You talk about humility. You talk about condescending. Sometimes we won't even talk to someone who's not of our own denomination or if we were a denomination or or, or our own economic level or whatever it may be. Man is so proudful, and yet God abdicated his throne, rent the heavens, came down, took on the form of a servant, and he walked in the midst of his sinful creation. Man. Jesus, knowing that the Father had already given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, he arose and washed the disciples' feet in John 13. What a picture. Why? Because once again, for the third time as recorded for us, the most common topic of the disciples was, who is the greatest in the kingdom? He got tired of telling them. He picked up a towel, a wash basin, and began to wash feet. He came to Peter. Peter says, you're going to wash my feet? He said, if I don't wash your feet, I partner a lot with me. He said, oh, give me a bath, Lord. He says, no, you you don't understand me. What I do now, you don't understand, but you will hereafter. And he says, if I, being your Lord, have done this to you, and how much more you? You're not greater than the Lord or the one who sends you. I've given you an example. Man, I don't think there was a word spoken the rest of the night. <laughs> Paul is saying, take a lesson from God who denied himself and condescended down to man's low estate. A little lower than the angels to enrich others. Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. One person asked the rabbi, how come in the olden days God would show himself to people. But today, nobody sees God. The rabbi said, because nowadays nobody can bow low enough. That's good. You know where pride is the greatest? In God's house. It's the worst pride. Because we have nothing to be proudful about. Nothing at all. Man, contrary to Christ, is always seeking glory so that people can be in awe of him and worship him. Look at Philippians one sixteen. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add afflictions to, their chain, to his chains. Always seeking glory. It was there at Rome. Is no exception throughout every generation. Man, contrary to Christ, is not a servant by nature, but rather desires to be served. Paul put, puts this very pointedly. Look at chapter 2, verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Wow, what a statement. What a statement. There are few servants. And you already know how you know if you're a servant when they treat you like one and it doesn't bother you. Man, contrary to Christ, seeks to present himself to be more than he is, denying his own imperfection and shortcomings. Look at chapter 3, verse 12 of Philippians. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold on that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. You and I have to understand our imperfections and our shortcomings and acknowledge them. Otherwise, we live A lie. Here the Philippians are encouraged to press on. You haven't arrived. You see the extent of Christ's humility. Is evident by the length that he went to. Taking on the form of a bondservant. In the likeness of man. Man. Notice thirdly. The depth of Christ's humility. Here we see Christ through the incarnation. We've seen Christ in the incarnation, Christ by the incarnation. Now we see Christ through the incarnation. Notice first, the depth of Christ's humility was that He was in every way a man. Now we've been hitting this from different angles, but the focus here, He was every way a man. Because, well, yes, but He was God, right? You've heard that? (laughs) And being found in appearance as a man. He was found in appearance as a man, like any other man. The reference to appearance means fashion, pointing to the external physical being in contrast to who he really was, God, as has already been pointed out in verse 6 and 7. So if you don't know who that person is, you might not act the way you would if you did. <laughs> Often I um I call sometimes to different pastors or churches and that and for to, to ask something or whatever it is and, and they and they say, Well uh, who may I ask to speak? and I say, Oh Xavier Reese. And you know, they talk to him. But once they find out you're a pastor, they go oh pastor, how are you you know, the voice changes, everything else. It's amazing. The word is used in Corinthians for the external physical world that is passing away, 1 Corinthians 7:31. This body is tangible. It's meaningless we get so caught up with it, so enamored with it. The Jews told Jesus for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God, John 10:33. You see they looked at him, you're not God? <laughs> Pilate brought Jesus forth with his crown of thorns after he had been beaten severely. And he said this, never forget this. He said, behold the man, John 19, 5. He was every bit a man. He had physical birth after nine months of pregnancy in Mary's womb. He hungered, he thirsted, he cried, he died. He tasted death for every man. He was tested in all points as you and I are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, study His wilderness temptation. As a man, man should not live by bread alone. Notice secondly, the depth of Christ's humility was in that He submitted Himself to the Father as man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Notice first his submission is seen in attitude. Parents, the most important thing for you and your children is that you deal with attitude. That's the foundation of everything else that happens. If I can take care of attitude, things get straightened up. But if you don't deal with attitude, only with actions, you've got big problems. Attitudes. Notice his submission is seen in attitude. The word humble, as you know, means to be a base. Bring low. Humility is the opposite of pride and self-exaltation. And it's used here to describe the position here of Jesus Christ. He humbled himself. The word is used to describe the Nile River. When it ran low, Jesus said, "I am gentle and lonely and hard in Matthew 11:29." He did not look down on sinners, but he felt compassion, pity, offered them repentance and forgiveness, so much so that he was called a friend of sinners, Matthew 11:19. His submission was not only an attitude evident, but notice his submission is seen in action. The example was that he was obedient. One word, obedient. It means attentively listening. Jesus prayed all night that he might hear the Father's voice to choose the 12 disciples in Luke 6, 12 through 16. He didn't make the choice of his own. He was God. But as man, he depended on the Father to do the Father's will. To show you and myself the way to be on target with God. He said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me in John 5.30. Jesus submitted himself to the Father who is said to be the head of Christ. And yet Christ is God in 1 Corinthians 11.3. Figure that out. So if you have a problem with submission, equating it inferiority, you've got a bigger problem. Because you have to say that Jesus is inferior to the Father because Jesus submitted to the Father. And you can't say that. If you do, you're in trouble. Submission. Based on humility is always a mark of wisdom knowing your gift, your ability, and your call. And you have no problem being who God has called you to be. It's that simple. But not only the attitude and the action, but notice the extent of his obedience was completely and totally. He came specifically to fulfill the will of the Father. You remember the key phrase in the Gospel of Matthew: "This was done in fulfillment of." Over and over and over again. Which of you convinced me of sin? Jesus said to the Pharisees, John eight forty six. No one took him up on it. But notice also the extreme of his obedience was even to the death of the cross. That's extreme. The death of the cross was a horrible death. No Roman would ever be crucified. It was reserved for criminals and the common person. The death he died was one of a common criminal. Make no mistake. He died for you. He died for me. I am a criminal against God. The two thieves, equally distant, having the same opportunity, hearing the same words, made two different choices. The one in his pride said, If you be the Christ, deliver yourself and us. The other thief says, Do you not fear God? We are justly deserve this, but this man has done nothing deserving of this crime. And he turned to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Through humility, the one thief entered eternity with Christ. Through pride, the other entered eternity, separated from Christ. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying, take a lesson from God who abased himself and submitted to absolute obedience, not regarding his own life, for the benefit of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Jesus. There's an old ditty that goes like this. It needs more skill than I can tell to play a second fiddle well. Leonard Bernstein, the great composer, was once asked which instrument was the most difficult to play. He thought for a moment and he replied, the second fiddle. I can get... Plenty of first violinist. But to find someone who can play the second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And if we have no second fiddle, we have no harmony. How are we doing as a second fiddler? We always have to be one. Top dog. Catch the biggest fish. Have the best house. Man's depth of humility will often be measured by the acknowledgement of his own limitations. Driving him to Christ. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, we can become so big in ourselves that we can eclipse God. As small as we are. You say, how can you do that? Well, you know, the moon's pretty big. The sun's pretty big, right? But I can eclipse it with my thumb. That light Right there. Yeah, right there. Because I hold my thumb so close to my eye, that it becomes the focus of my vision. And so likewise, if I hold my vision so close to myself, I eclipse God as big as He is. Man's depth of humility will be tested and cultivated throughout life by submitting to others in life on different levels. Look at Philippians 1.18. What What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is priest, And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Paul was tested over and over and over again about his humility. When he was preaching and man, he was there on Mars Hill. He was still humble. When they were worshiping him as a God, he says, what are you doing worshiping him? We're just men. Humble. When he's in prison and people are trying to add afflictions to his chains and others are preaching out of love of Christ, he's humble. He's tested every time and he's passing the test. Man's depth of humility will be evident by his obedience to God through yielding to Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians 3, 12-14. We've already read 12, but let me read it with it. Not that I have already attained, I have, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold on that which Christ has laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you think you've arrived? You need to keep on obeying God. You know why? Because you're still here. You and I have a long way to go. Until then, we have to be careful with pride. We have to cultivate humility. And know that there's so much more God wants to do. In me, as well as through me. The depth of Christ's humility is evident by the depth of His obedience as a man. Even to the death of the cross. Spurgeon said... It is not humility to underrate yourself. Humility is to think of yourself as God thinks of you. It is to feel that if we have talents, God has given them to us. And let it be seen that like freight in a vessel, they tend to sink us low. The more we have, the lower we ought to lie. That's good. Paul has commanded the Philippians to think like Christ. Towards each other by giving them this threefold description of Christ's humility of mind for the service of others. An embarrassing lesson on humility, but a necessary one. The greatness of Christ's humility is evident by the height that he had. He was gone, and he waved his right as God. The extent of Christ's humility is evident by the length that he went to taking on the form of one servant in the likeness of a man. And the depth of Christ's humility is evident by his obedience as a man, even to the death of the cross. Now you and I are told through the scriptures that we have the mind of Christ. You know what our problem is? We don't put it on. That's what he's saying in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ
1: Jesus, put it on. Good counsel. How Christ-like do you want to be? A heartfelt challenge from Pastor Xavier Reese. And you can pick up a CD copy of today's message, An Embarrassing Lesson on Humility, for just $4. And by the way, this will also include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is An Embarrassing Lesson on Humility. Or simply mention today's date. Make your request by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you get in touch. We use this information to monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. What do you have to give up in order to be free? That's next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. We'll see you then.